Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. All right, we're waiting on a call from Nate Zielinski. He must be uh, in a bad area. Well, hopefully, we'll get him to join us very, very soon. We also have Chad Lachance, J.R. Pierce from Colorado Clays, and uh, Bernie Keith coming up. And uh, it looks like we've got somebody coming up here. Is that Mr. Zielinski? Do we have him? Or All right, we're, we're almost there. Nate's going to talk to us about the mountain fishing, you know, this this cold weather has really, um, people think cold weather, they hear us talk about cold fronts all the time, and they think we get some colder weather, and it kind of slows the fishing down. So we, uh, in the spring, we talk about that, and through the summer. And when that happens, we uh, the fishing does get drastically affected, and it can be for a negative. Is that Nate now? All right, we're going to go right to Nate now, and I'll quit babbling. You know, if you don't call on time, I babble like an idiot. <laughs> you know, I did like three test calls to make sure I had service, and literally as I t- dialed in at 9.59, uh, the phone died. I'm up here at Spinney Mountain Reservoir, and I could say uh, the fishing is more consistent than the cell service. That is for sure. You know, we just talked to the guys from the park at Spinney, too, and I told them you'd be coming on, but... The reports I'm getting from you and other people is that uh, that South Park area is doing really well, my friend. It, it's incredible. You know, again, we, we say this all the time, but if somebody hasn't fished spinning to know the, the quality of the fish on both the trout and the pike side, uh, I mean, it's literally unreal. I mean, so far today, uh, I think we've only had two fish under 20 inches. Big fish are ranging up to 26 inches. And I would say that, that literally almost 100% of your fish are holding right at that 22 to 23 inches. You know, they're fat. They fight hard. Um, the quality of fish that are, that are coming out of here right now are, is just second to none. Are you getting mostly rainbows? Or are you seeing some browns, too? You know, right now we're actually seeing mostly rainbows, cut bows, a few cutthroats. Um, we had browns last week, and now almost all of those browns are up in the river spawning. We've had a few fish as we get real close to some rocky shorelines. Uh, we've had a few of those browns kind of cruising those shallow shorelines leading into the inlets and leading into the back of bays, and they're doing their spawning thing there. But I would say most of those fish are, are actually up in all of the inlet, up into those tributaries, um, doing the spawn thing right there. So right now we're not seeing a lot of browns. Again, we actually were seeing a lot of them last week, and they kind of disappeared on us early this week. Um, I would anticipate another probably five to seven days, and we should see those fish returning back into the lake in a post-spawn state, uh, giving us just uh, just a little window to fish them before the lake closes for the season. Oh. Uh, but again, when they come back, it should be strong. Yeah, and we just talked to Spinney. They closed for boating October 31st is the last day, right? It's going to be a heartbreaking day, but that is correct. October 31st uh, is going to be the last day of boating. And then they will be open for shore and belly boats and kayaks till November 15th. That's perfect. That, that's a new rule. They just came up with that yeah. last year. Usually when it closed to boating, it was closed for the season, and they, they just changed it, so it's nice to see. So there'll be some shore anglers being able to take or some belly boaters take advantage of that after the boats get out. But right now, I mean, if you're looking for a place to fish, you know, and this is going on in a lot of the mountain lakes, Nate, that right now we're getting these fish. They're they're fattening up for the winter. We've got the browns and kokanee spawning. We've got the rainbows chasing the eggs. The water's cool. The fish are shallow. It's just a tremendous time to be fishing in the mountains. 
Absolutely, Joe. And I want to say the one thing that I think that, like I'm seeing right here, I'm going to be standing on my boat and I'm looking around. We've had a, an epic day so far, and there's not a lot of boats around me. I think one of the biggest misconceptions, especially in cold water, is people fishing too deep. And I think we talk about this as early ice, and it's a good conversation for those early ice anglers. But so many people are fishing deep. And when we say deep, it's anything in that 12-foot, 14-foot. That's deep water right now. Most of our fish that we're catching are in three to five feet. And I think that, you know, 80, 90% of these anglers are overlooking those shallow fish and, and they're struggling. You know, they're out there grinding and the fish that they catch aren't the, this is the potential of the fishery. If you want to catch more fish and catch bigger fish um, in all of the, I'd say the two fisheries right now, whether it's North Park, Middle Park, Cave Park, um, I would say that shallow is the key. And again, hardly anybody is capitalizing on these fish. Um, and, and again, cruising shallow, like right now, um, all of the South Park lakes, you can really work your way around the entire shore. And in that three to five feet is where those big fish are cruising. They're feeding on on all of the, the snails that are available. They're feeding on all the scuds that are in that shallow water. Um, Again, there's a lot of food source, but everything right now is shallow. So make sure if you're going to capitalize on this bite, don't overlook those shallow fish. Well, I think, you know, we've come through a couple hot you know, weather months and it just started cooling off substantially now. And during those hot months, those fish are deeper, but they, it isn't, they're not deeper because they necessarily want to be. They're deeper because it's uncomfortable. And when they get this colder water, whether they're rainbows, browns, lake trout, uh, kokanee, kokanee are spawning, but those fish come shallower because they can and because there's tremendous food sources shallow. I mean, that's it, you know, and every species has their, their prime temperatures. You know, right now our surface temperature is 47. I was 46 when we launched this morning. Now, it was 9 degrees when I pulled into the park. The air is cold, but the water is not that cold yet. You know, we're, we're mid to upper 40s, which for our trout, each of those species is prime time for them to feed. This is when they're bulking up. This is when they're adding weight for winter. Um, so, again, they're feeding almost more aggressive now than they would the last couple of months um, just because the metabolism is right. They can actually gain a lot of weight right now um, in those prime temperatures. So, again, it, it's very aggressive. And, but we heard it in the boat dock, you know, parking lot this morning. I heard guys, you know, man, it's 9 degrees. Those fish are going to be, you know, real sluggish. We've got to go to deep water. Um, and it's just the conversation. And a lot of it's just, uh, you know, whatever. Reasons why we believe that. But, again, the shallow water bite is key. And, again, so many people overlook it. I'm sitting here right now, and 80% of these guys are sitting in 12 to 18 foot. And they're catching a few fish, but those big fish are shallow. And the other nice thing that we do this time of year, a lot of times we chase the wind. Uh, much like a walleye angler would. Right now, when the fish are, are leaving the bug hatch, so these rainbows are no longer feeding on the bug life. Most of their 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 intake is for a um, those scuds, as weeds are breaking down, as the vegetation is breaking apart, this colder water, all of that gets blown to area. So you can fish just the backside of points that are really getting stacked up with those scuds. You can fish the, the winded side of a lake to where those scuds are stacked up. Anywhere where the food is going to get piled up, you can guarantee that's where those biggest trout are going to be hanging. So you can really anticipate where these fish are going to be. So we know they're in shallow. You line yourself up to, to the supporting side where you know that food's piled up, um, and that's going to be the key to success in any of these lakes up here um, this time of year. So, again, your Antarios, 11-mile spinnies, you know, your Lake John, Blaney, 
on all those fishers right now, this is literally prime time. We always want that water anywhere between 44 and 50. And most all our lakes right now are sitting in that, you know, 46 to 48 degree mark. So we're, we're literally right on the, I really want to say the beginning cusp of the best fishing that we're going to have here. And it's going to last, you know, seven to 10 days, almost two weeks before uh, we drop down to those low 40s when things are going to start slowing down just a little bit. Well, and I think I've been hearing reports from Spinney and 11 Mile, and the reports I get are either it's on fire or there's nothing going on, which tells me that too many fishermen are fishing memories, the one where nothing's going on, and not really realizing what happens this (laughs) time of the year. And, you know, we see that uh, in the warm water species, too, um, before we move on, though, are you seeing? You said you're seeing good pike activity, also. We are. The biggest thing is our waters are now dropped below that. So again, we study these temperatures and we thrive a lot on those temperatures. Um, you know, our prime pike is at like forty-two degrees, fifty-three degrees. We're at forty-six right now, and the fish are still feeding very good, very aggressive. The biggest thing though is you're slowing your presentation down to where literally a week ago we were working swim baits fairly aggressive. We were trolling swim baits. Um, it just crossed over into to more of that bite. So we are now working bigger jerk baits, um, working baits, you know, maybe like a suspending style swim bait, baits that you can really focus on a, on a zone in the water column. So you can drop it down and you can find if they're sitting that six feet below the surface, seven feet, eight feet. And once you get your bait there, you can hold it there. So the biggest thing is kind of catering those pike a little more. Again, when they take the bait, they're taking it aggressively, but it's more you have to break down that zone. The fish just in the last couple of days aren't quite as willing to chase down a bait to where a week ago, they would come up and down in the water column, a ways to hit your bait, um, following the bait's boat. Now, they're just getting a little bit more, you know, I don't want to say sluggish, I don't really think it's an appropriate word for them, but they're, they're a little more keyed in on a zone. So you as the angler have to slow that presentation down, hold it in that zone, uh, cater to those fish just a little bit, and that's really the keys to those biggest success. But with that, we are seeing some of those bigger fish because they did. They fed heavy late September, early October. So by now, we're holding our winter weight. Um, and in reality, this is, other than once they're full of spawn matter, this is about the biggest the pike get for the season is where they're at right now. So very healthy, happy fish. Uh, just break down that water column, put a bait in front of them, um, you know, slow things down to keep it successful this big pike right now minute or two left what other bites you seeing around anywhere and where else would you go fishing you know the the walleye bites just starting we just dropped uh, into that water temperature i was actually out this week um, and we had, we were kind of losing a little bit of that shallow water bite. I still caught some fish shallow, uh, but we had a lot of fish in slightly deeper water, which is great to see. We want to see that transition to where that bait drops deep and those walleyes drop deep with it. I was actually trolling lead core and cranks this week at Chatfield um, and had some incredible days for walleye, both numbers and really good size fish. Uh, so that walleye bite's going. We're just seeing that transition. Uh, so it's going now, but really anticipating the next couple weeks, that walleye bite really firing up. So we're excited about that uh, but again if you're a fisherman i would take advantage right now we have we have some weather some wind coming tomorrow some weather coming early this week um, but right now if these mountain lakes are fishing strong i would get up catch some of these big trout do some scouting for ice fishing build a pattern of where they're at hang out with that uh you know because again it's closing soon uh, and kind of the final thoughts of it um this is our opening day of second rifle so this is the first combined elk and deer season here in colorado so it's probably one of the more busy seasons i would say uh as as hunting goes in colorado um with that being said a lot of guys get gung-ho um and they hunt really hard this opening days 
biggest thing is, is we really see a lot of things happening at the end of this week. Um, a lot of the bulls left the cows on that first rifle season. So those big bulls kind of go dormant for a couple of days, kind of relax. Really, it's going to be the, the Friday, Saturday, Sunday of next week and the tail end of second rifle when those big bulls start coming back out of the trees. Uh, these colder temps are going to increase that daytime activity of those animals. Uh, and same thing, the deer are going to start feeling just a little bit more uh, persuasion of that rut and that colder temperatures towards the end of the season. So we always tell hunters, put a lot of focus uh, in, in hunting hard the entire time. Don't burn out. Don't hunt hard the first four or five days. You know, lose that inspiration and lose that passion towards the end of the week. Because again, end of this week is going to be very, very productive. We know everybody's excited and getting out there now, uh, but really, as, as we look forth and trying to help people success, uh, the tail end of this week after the weather we're going to get is going to be prime for that second rifle combined season. All right, my friend, we're out of time. But if people want more, it's Tight Line Outdoors online and Tight Line Outdoors on Facebook. That's it. We'll talk to you soon. All right, thanks, Nate. Nate Zielinski, always a great resource. We're going to take a quick time out, and Chad Lachance will join us, and we will talk some more fishing right here on Terry Wisham Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. We're going right to the phones where we're going to be joined by Chad Lachance. And, Chad, this is a, a type of a bite that's starting to take off. I think it's already in full swing some places and soon taking off in others that I wrote about a long time ago for In Fisherman. I wrote articles both for the magazines and for several of their books. It's something that I have fished for decades, and it's one of the— when it's on, it's one of the most predictable uh, fishing opportunities in reservoirs, and that's the spoon bite. And you're telling me at the tooth that it's on. Yeah, I mean, at this time of year, it's it's probably the most predictable bite, I would say, uh, of the whole season. You can pretty much count on when the water starts to cool. Uh, and, and we get this first significant cold snap, which we had you know, last week. Fortunately, I wasn't here for it, but uh, but I know it got real cold for a few days, and just enough to get the surface temps to drop a bunch, and and you start getting the vertical bite going, the spooning bite, and uh, it's one of my favorites. You know, it's funny because I've never been a video game guy, but this is as close to video game fishing as you're ever going to get, and uh, and I thoroughly enjoy that aspect of it. But there's a bunch of nuances to it that you got to keep track of, or you can waste a whole lot of time bobbing around in the lake. Oh, and you can wear your arm out in a hurry, too. Yeah, and that goes down to equipment, so we might as well start there. I mean, the whole thing with with the spoon bite is that you have to have instant responsiveness out of your tackle because you're trying to snap this spoon vertically up and down. It's not a subtle lift. It's more of a distinct snap, as you know. You just snap that spoon up and then let it flutter. Well, if you've got a rod that's too soft or too spongy or you have a line, you know, whatever line you're using has got a bunch of stretch or is too too soft, then you lose that instantaneous response of your spoon for starters and you wear your arm out like you're talking about. So um, I do it with extra fast action rods and braided line. and, uh, And the reason I do that is because I get an instant response from the spoon. The other side of it is as that spoon is dropping back down, it's doing so on semi-slack or slack line, depending on the spoon itself. And to be able to feel those bites, uh, 
the braided line and the, and the real crisp rod will help you with that as well. So it's kind of a, it gets, makes my spoon respond better and I feel my bites better. And then lastly, I use this analogy. I mean, if, if you're eating dinner and you smack yourself in the tooth with your fork, it's pretty miserable. And when a, when a bass or a walleye uh, or a trout for that matter, smacks one of those steel spoons on the fall, they don't hold that thing at all. You need to be Johnny on the spot with a hook set. And so having a really, really crisp rod and, uh, and no stretch braid, I use the X5 braid with for it these days, uh, but you, you get a much, much higher percentage of your hook set. So the equipment's a, the first part of it, I think, uh, as far as making sure you're in the ballpark. And I, I would add, too, that I always put a couple feet of a fluorocarbon leader, maybe about three on there. A couple things that, it, you know, obviously, hopefully it gives less visibility, but you get less tangles with that stiffer line, that leader at the end. Absolutely. Yep. That's uh, that's a key point. And uh, and in most cases, depending on the spoon, if I'm worried about line twist, I will put my swivel between my braid and my leader. I typically use 10 pound, trying 100 percent fluorocarbon for that leader. I might bump it up a little bit or down a little bit. If the water's real clear, I'm using a real light spoon. I might go to eight. Uh, if I can get away with it, I'll go to 12 or 15. If I'm using maybe a one ounce spoon in deep water, I'll, I'll bump it up to 12 or 15 because it has no real effect on the on the presentation so you might as well have the tensile strength but uh but i put a tiny 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 little swivel the smallest one you can get uh between the braid and the leader and uh and that'll help you with some line twist as well so um that's a, that's generally how i do my whole rig as far as that goes and then the, the last thing it's worth pointing out right now uh is you need to have a quality reel and the reason i say that is this technique is extremely hard on the inner reverse bearings in the reel because you've got a slack line bait and now it, and typically it's heavy and it might be a long ways from the boat it might be 50 feet below the boat and when you snap that thing it's pretty hard on the reverse bearing of, of the reel so you need to have a good quality reel for it as well or uh or you'll cause yourself problems with the reel in the long run as well but uh but when you get that equipment all set up like that, it's literally one of the easiest ways to catch fish if you can sit on top of them. Well, and that's the next key. The next key when you're talking, it's kind of a transition into some of your other equipment, and that's the fact you better have good electronics and boat control. Yeah, absolutely. The electronics, it's the most... It, Without question, if it, there's no point in the year when I'm more electronics intensive than I am at this time of the year. And, uh, and it's because I am fishing vertically, which means I'm not covering any water. I'm, I, I need to have fish right under my boat or I have no chance of catching them. So, and that, when you couple with the fact that you're typically fishing deeper, I was on horse tooth the other day and the, the smallmouth bass we were catching came out of 45 to 65 feet of water. Um, the, I think the deepest one that actually landed came out of 62 feet of water, and that's a long ways down. So you have a really big cone angle on your sonar unit. So with a traditional 20-degree cone, uh, you're seeing roughly one-third of the water depth, right, as far as the width of the cone down there. So if I'm at 60 feet of water, I can see a 20-foot swath under my boat. So I've got a pretty good chance at seeing my my fish and also my spoon in action and seeing how the fish are relating to my spoon. So that's a key part of it. But the other part of it is that you alluded to is the boat control you know, when I was out the other day, the wind was blowing like 15 or more miles an hour, and that will keep you honest because, A, the boat itself is hard to hold still, and, B, there's enough wind-generated current that your lure wants to swing away from the boat as well. So you have to use a heavier spoon. 
so that you can keep it straight below the boat if at all possible and keep it from swinging in the wind current. So it can be a little bit intensive with all of that, but I'm sticking to my answer, Terry. If you can find fish, put a waypoint, park your boat on that waypoint and drop a spoon on them and do it with real crisp equipment, it's probably the easiest way to load the boat. Yeah, now you've been telling me you've been catching some fish at Horsetooth. While we've got time left, kind of take me through what the process has been, what kind of spoon you're using, and what kind of luck you've been having. Been having real good luck. It's not terribly uh, terribly difficult. The, the big thing is locating the schools of bait fish, and then and those are typically smelt that we're dealing with here at Horsetooth. If you're at Pueblo, it might be shad. Uh, shad are, are, are in the ballpark here as well. But the bottom line is we're fishing strictly offshore structure or big, long, tapering ridges. Uh, or points and getting out in the we've been starting at about the 40 foot range and that we established that because of that's the level that the bait are most common during daylight hours is around 40 to 60 feet so the the smallmouth bass and walleyes will sit on that structure where that bait comes up adjacent to that structure and so we scan around with the sonar units till we find the bait and then we try to find some arches that are with that bait either uh, in or below that bait right on the structure and then we drop on them from there and we catch some of the fattest fish of the year. Uh, One thing I want to point out, though, is guys need to understand that you need to bring those fish up slowly. If you just horse them to the top because you can, you're going to have that issue with the the fish basically decompressing and it'll blow their swim bladder out. So we want to release those fish. So I'll reel them up maybe 20 feet, let them fight for a minute, reel them up another 20 feet, let them fight for a minute, and then reel them up from there, and they can swim right back to the bottom. I am am not a fan of people fizzing fish, what they call fizzing fish. I would prefer to to take my chances and, and just bring them to the surface slower, and then you don't have to worry about that. Now, last thing I really want to cover is over the last decade, a lot of people who used to do the spoon jigging have got enamored with the uh, jigging wraps and uh, the Johnny darters and a lot of those type of lures, which are tremendous. They're tremendously effective. I love to fish them. I'm still a pretty big spoon aficionado, and I think the spoons have really kind of fallen out of favor, not with the fish, but with the anglers. And the fish aren't seeing as many spoons. I think people need to go back and throw some spoons. What kind of spoon are you throwing? Oh, without question. Their spoon is far more consistent for me than, than say, a Johnny Darter-style bait. Uh, and I use that in a different scenario, so we'll spare that for now. I use that bait a lot as well. I, I, I'm on that trend, too, but I do it not so vertical. When I'm fishing vertical, I want a Johnson Splinter uh, is the number one spoon that I'm going with. People may be more familiar with the Castmaster. They're very, very similar. A Hopkins spoon, same kind of thing. And in my case, if the water's clear and the sun's out, it's always chrome and maybe with a little bit of accent color to it. And if we've got significant wind or overcast, it cuts light penetration, then it's white. But literally, those are the only two colors that I carry with me is either a chrome one with maybe some accent colors on it or a white one with maybe some accent colors, but that's it. And I typically start with a half-ounce spoon, and I may go as heavy as a one-ounce spoon. If I'm picking one, it's a three-quarter ounce in chrome. And from, from Horsetooth Reservoir at this end of the state to Pueblo at the other end of the state, all the way down the front range, it'll work everywhere you go. And for multiple species. We're out of time, oh, but you'll geez. catch catfish, smallmouth, walleyes, crappies, almost everything that swims. I caught on a jigging spoon with your wife filming me a big, giant, fat carp at Pueblo Reservoir. So <laughs> you're right. Everybody will bite it. And it's because when you put dying bait fish in the system, everybody keys on it. And that's really what you're imitating at this point in the year. All right, Chad, and people want more information, fishfulthinker.com? 
Yes, sir, and I'd appreciate that very much. And, of course, that social media on our YouTube channel, Official Banker, across all platforms. All right, my friend, we'll talk again soon. Thanks very much, Terry. You guys have a good day. All right, Chad Lachance. We're going to take a quick time out. We'll come out. We're going to talk to another avid angler who thinks he knows shotgunning with JR from Colorado Clays on Terry Wickstrom on 104.3 The Fan. Take it easy. It's one of your favorite times. I know. And with JR coming up, that means I got to take it easy on him now. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Let's go right to the phones. And we always take it easy on our good friend JR from Colorado Clays. Good morning. Good morning, Terry. Uh, I'll, I'll just be nice. <laughs> take it easy on me, brother. Yeah, always do. You know you're a good friend and a great contributor. We love to give you a hard time. You know, I do have a question for you, though. You've been running this sighting clinic for quite some time now, last year and then the beginning, you know, leading into the rifle seasons this year. Are you getting much feedback from the hunters on what they think of it? Has it made them more confident in the field? You know, any kind of feedback coming in? And Terry, thanks for asking. You know, that's what I love about this time of year here at Colorado Clays. Uh, Of course, you know, we always have that state-of-the-art range available. We do that special sight-in clinic for those folks that want to go the extra mile. And I'm telling you, we're getting back some good feedback, uh, lots of success. But, Terry, I think one of the things, and we've talked about this, is I'm just so impressed at the number of one-shot harvests that I'm hearing about um, really preserving our uh, resources and and some extremely ethical hunts. It's just great to see, and I enjoy it. Tell people a little bit of what the sighting clinic does and how it works. Well, our sighting clinic takes um, it brings you out to Colorado Clays, and of course, you know, use this facility. But um, we go through not only just safety gun function. Uh, we also give you a manual bore sight, so we literally start you out from scratch. Uh, we'll make sure everything on your gun is tight, new, adjusted, your eye relief, everything you need. And then we'll come down and um, set you, explain MOA, how to adjust your scope, um, help you with ballistic charts, and then make sure you understand breathing techniques, everything that's going to help bring your grouping in tighter and tighter, uh, make your shooting that much better for just a couple hours of time uh, in the morning. It's just a great opportunity. Now, first rifle season just started, but we've got a lot of rifle hunting ahead of us. Are you still offering the sighting clinics? Well, this coming Sunday, which will be tomorrow morning, is probably the final one of the year, Terry. So I would encourage anybody who wants to take advantage of that, give us a call today and and sign up for it, uh, because this is going to be the last one, uh, the bulk of the seasons. Of course, the rifle facility is available to anyone all the time with our great staff, but this clinic... Uh, just a very few times during the year you can take advantage of it. Tomorrow morning is going to be the one. Do they have to sign up ahead? Can they show up? Uh, just give us a call. Um, we we prefer to have a registration so we can have the appropriate number of range officers here to give the one-on-one uh, service that we you know offer for that clinic. So definitely give us a call. Let us know you're coming. You know, you talk about one-on-one. You guys also cater to a lot of groups on a year-round basis, whether it's a holiday party, you could set up a shotgunning event, or whether it's, you know, a, a bachelor party or just a, a, an outing for a corporate group or a fundraiser for a, a charity. 
when you get some of those big groups, you say you get 50 to 100 people out there, do you end up, I mean, is there a lot of standing around and waiting, or are you guys able to process them through and get them out shooting fairly quickly? Well, you know, Terry, and that's the beauty of Colorado Clays with our long history of serving Colorado's recreational shooting community. We really have developed the most streamlined systems to get people shooting, and not only quickly, but on the most appropriate field courses or ranges, you know, to either achieve or just enjoy whatever shooting opportunity they desire. And whether it's an individual, just a single person coming out, maybe just wanting to do some practice or try a new gun, uh, like you say, friends and family stuff, bachelor parties, corporate groups, or fundraisers from a few people to a few hundred, uh, we have developed uh, systems over all these years that make things happen. And I'm telling you, Terry, the beauty of this place, being that we are a public access facility, no reservation or membership required, most of the time it's as simple as just making that short drive from anywhere in the metro or front range out to Colorado Clays, check in at the clubhouse, do your waivers, tell us what you're after, we'll get you out onto those appropriate areas, our range staff will show you how to do what you need to do, and you can take it from there. Uh, that's what makes this such a great opportunity for everyone. Uh, speaking of appropriate, um, we're getting very close to uh, pheasant season here in Colorado, and I'm going to do some checking by for way that you folks that are listening. I'll get a hold of Ed Gorman and get a final report, but he's been fairly optimistic that we're going to have a great pheasant season in Colorado, or at least a very good pheasant season. So if I haven't been shooting my shotgun very much and I want to come in and get ready for pheasant season, what, what discipline or what activity there do you recommend for me? Well, and Terry, we talked about this before. Any trigger time is going to help a person get familiar. But when we start talking about specific types of hunts, so I have, I have folks coming out now prepping for pheasant. I actually had a couple guys getting ready for an upland bird hunt of some kind in Scotland. Um, number one re- uh, recommendation and request is that wobble trap. And that wobble trap on our skeet field can literally simulate the flush of an uplap bird. And the area that you have there and the type of trap that that is, which is, you know, ground level, so the flushes are all realistic. Uh, The trap does oscillation and elevation, meaning you could have any flush from ground level up to nearly straight up from left or right. And then on that field, you can position yourself Um, and there's literally very few flushes you can't simulate. And the best part of it, Terry, and probably good for you and me, is that uh, we can work on the the angles and distances that give us trouble. So it is the perfect uh, preparation for pheasant. And i got to say, I've got a few fall turkey hunters coming in, and uh, even in the spring we really promote that pattern board, but I've been patterning some turkey guns here for the fall, and just never forget, that is also available here at Colorado Clays. The only problem with that wobble trap is it's so expensive. What do you guys charge? Yeah, $7.50 to shoot an entire round of 25 targets. Um, That's ridiculous. You know that. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. You guys should charge way more, but I'm not going to tell you that. Yeah. (laughs) Tell people how they find you, Jr. Uh, go to coloradoclays.com. That's our website. I certainly encourage anyone to take the virtual tour. Uh, flip through there. Most questions can be answered by doing that. Or absolutely give us a call at 
888-7117. Talk to me or any of my staff, and we can make whatever you need happen. All right. My friend, great to talk to you as always, and we'll talk to you again in a couple weeks. Thank you so much, Terry. You bet. JR from Colorado Clays. We'll take a quick time out, and Bernie Keith's going to join us, and we're going to talk lake trout at Granby, which are on fire right now on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. So now, what are we going back to musicals? I guess. <laughs> You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. I'm going to go right to the phones. And joining me, one of my favorite contributors, especially this time of the year, because, folks, if you want to catch some fish, there's a bite going on that you need to take advantage of. And joining us is Bernie Keefe from up in the Granby area. Good morning, Bernie. Good morning, Terry. Hey, did you know what today is? No, what is it? Today is National Be Kind to Your Fishing Guide Day. Yeah, well, we'll see if we can get that removed. Another Hallmark another <laughs> Hallmark holiday started for no reason. <laughs> I just made that up this morning when yeah. I was getting yanked on by the guys in the boat. Yeah, I, I figured that. <laughs> you know, speaking of getting yanked on, I'll bet you're yanking on quite a few bites from lake trout, too. <laughs> we are. We are. The bite is incredible right now. Um, that was almost bad, wasn't them, it? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, that could go south. Yeah, it could have. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh. But, um, no, the bite's incredible right now. Jeez, uh, we've had 40, 60, 70 fish days. We were out today for three hours and had probably 40. Um, it's just, it's off the charts good. I'd say the, the fall bite right now is peaking. It's that good. Well, and it, it came a little, it, it seemed like it came a little late. And we had that warm August, September, July, August, September. It took a while for the water to cool, but I would imagine it's at prime conditions right now, right? What are the water temperatures? Uh, that's right at 50 degrees this morning when we took off. That's just so. And um, that's just, that, that just lights it up right there. Oh, that's just so perfect. And so the fish, yeah. I assume that uh, the numbers of fish are moved in fairly shallow. Is that what's happening? Yeah, we're getting them as shallow as 20 feet. The shore anglers definitely can get them now. Um, and then if you, geez, you can get them as deep as you want to fish for them. Uh, we like to fish for them shallow because then you can catch more. You're not waiting for your jig to fall down to them so much. What kind of techniques, so, um, what kind of techniques are you using, Bernie? Well, from the boat, we're doing a lot of, we're getting those half-ounce real bait, plain Jane spoons, and putting a real small piece of sucker meat on them, and then we're just jigging them right at the bottom. Um, today, we did better with them bio bait twister tails. The grubs, we were doing really good with them today. The, those were out fishing the spoons three to one. So every day, it's a little bit different which one's going to be better, and you just got to try it. But between the two, we're, that's how we're knocking so many fish right now. Most, if you're fishing from the bank and you're throwing stuff, you can throw your spoons and you can throw your grubs, but you want to go. The key here is going light as you can because you got to fish them in the rocks on the bottom. But if you go light, you can get work them out of the rocks. If you go heavy, you're just going to go right in there and lose your bait. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Now, a lot of people love to use tubes this time of the year. Um, you having better luck with the smaller twister tails and uh, and the spoons? Well, we haven't really used tubes much lately. So much of it for me has been more the grubs. We tried them one day, and they've just been working really well. So I just haven't found the need to go adventuring and experimenting too much when you 
when you have a jig on the bottom for three minutes and you don't and you get bit every three to five minutes, there's not a reason to change. Now, are you seeing mostly numbers? Is there a few big fish scattered in, or is this? It's usually a numbers bite this time of the year. Yeah, it's definitely a numbers bite. I mean, you're seeing big fish on the graph, but uh, we caught one today that was about 22, 23 inches, and that's been our big one for the for the day every day. But we're not we're not fishing for the large one. We're fishing for the smaller, what we like to call the egg eaters, the ones that are in there eating the eggs out of the nest. Um, those are what we're fishing for, and we're letting the big girls let the big girls do their things. So we have. So we have fish for the for the for the future out there. Well, and this is a great time if you want to take some fish home. You know, those fifteen to twenty, fifteen to nineteen inchers, eighteen are just great eaters, and you can keep four of them. This is a great time to go get some. It's a great time to go get some, and those are the ones. You know, them fifteen, sixteen inchers. There's so many of those in the lake. You're probably doing the lake a favor if you if you pick on a few of those. You're absolutely right, and yeah, there's no reason not to take a few of those. And they they taste and when they get bigger, they get fattier. They're they taste almost like salmon when they're that that size. Yeah, they're 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 so good. They they really are. So what else is going on around in your area? The other lakes, uh, Wolford, the Coconut are up on the shoreline. There, they're getting them there. Rainbows are on the shoreline. At Williams Fork, you can fish Williams Fork, I believe, till the end of the month, and that lake trout fishing's good. Pike are in the shallows, so you can go chase them on nice afternoons. Not much of a kokanee thing. The Division of Wildlife isn't even doing their kokanee take there this year. Coming up to Grand Lake, the fishing on Grand Lake is really good for lake trout and rainbows. Not many kokanee there. Shadow Mountain, I can't even talk about that, haven't been there. Willow Creek is really good for rainbows, and the kokanee are moving in the shallows up there. Monarch is also very good for brookies. And the brookies up there, I've heard of quite a few 15 inches coming out lately. Now, how long will there be boat access on Granby, and how long do you think this numbers bite will go? The boat access goes till December. I believe it's over the first weekend of December. I think it's the third, maybe. I'm not sure on that. And uh, but I know it goes into December and that shallow water bite, it's going to continue. It'll go on all the way through till December. Um, but the really good bites only going to last another week or two. And then they'll start, they'll leave the spawning beds and you'll just have to go casting or jigging for them when you see them, but they'll still be shallow. Yeah. And it's just, it's, you know, in the lake trout, there'll be, once the water gets cold, there's always going to be some lake trout shallow because that's where the, a lot of the food is. And, they can tolerate those colder temperatures. They prefer them. But that numbers bite, you think, another week or two, and both from shore and a boat. So that sounds like just tremendous opportunities. Are you guys still taking trips, Bernie, for that? Um, if people want to go, they can give us a call. I know I'm all filled up, but I can't speak for my guys. They might have some availability. If you just want to give us a call, look us up on the website. Um Fishing with Bernie on Facebook or Instagram. Get a hold of us through any of those, and we will we'll see if we have some availability. All right, my friend. Uh, thank you for joining us today. And you and I didn't get out and fish this bite together this year. We got to make that happen again soon. You know, you got to make that happen, Terry. That's on you, not on me. You're always invited, brother. I know, but I always try to blame somebody <laughs> else. So <laughs> you, you can do that. You can do that. You can do that. So so pass the word. October nineteenth is the is the new. Be kind to your fishing guide day. We're going to try to promote that. All right, we'll we'll put it on my <laughs> calendar and we'll start early. We'll see we'll see if we can get cards made. 
<laughs> I expect flowers, not cards. Yeah, well, you are kind of a... Never mind. All right, Bernie, tell them how they get a hold of it. If they want more information, how do they find you? Fishingwithbernie.com is my website. Um, Facebook, Fishing with Bernie, and Instagram, Fishing with Bernie. Just give us a haul. We'll take care of you. All right, my friend. You you have a good weekend. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Terry. See you. All right, Bernie Keefe, what a trip. I'll tell you what. If you ever want to be kind to a guide, go fishing with Bernie. If you're not catching fish, you're still going to have the time of your life, but I, I doubt you'd ever take a trip with him and not catch fish. But seriously, this lake trout bite in the fall, October into early November up at Lake Granby, if you've got people in your family that just want to catch some fish, you got boat or shore access, either one, uh, this is one of those opportunities when you can go out, and we talk about smaller lake trout, but if you were fishing for rainbows and were catching 16 to 22-inch fish, you'd be thrilled. So, you know, get up there, catch a few, take them. Go from shore, throw spoons out, throw some jigs out. If you got a boat, you know, find some gravel points, some areas along the dams, you'll catch these fish. And you may not catch 40 or 50 or 60 like Bernie does because he's got these fish dialed in. But you will catch them. And by the way, if you go to my um, YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom, I have some videos up there doing this fishing. Uh, It's got Fishing with Bernie where I take you through the season, some other things. So uh, you can find, just go up there and uh, go to my YouTube channel and Google Gramby. And I've got a couple shows to show you how to go out and catch these fish. And it's just a trip. It's something you need to take advantage of in the next Next couple of weeks before the weather starts really turning up there, and, and you can just have the time of your life. Join us here every Saturday um, for Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, and don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. We post a lot. In fact, it was a great fly fishing update by the Blue Quill guys, and the first hour I'm going to post that on the Facebook page probably tomorrow. Got a lot going on. Thanks to Kyle for keeping us on schedule. Thank you. Thanks to Karen for getting all this lined up while I was traveling all over the country, having a glass of wine at the United Club and working hard. But thanks to all of you for listening, and make sure you join us every week for Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. There she's